Welcome to Activate with Pastor Christian Newsom, a podcast of Journey Church International. Well, thank you for listening to the Activate podcast with Pastor Christian Newsom, a ministry resource of Journey Church International. My name is Ryan. It's a privilege to be with you today. I'm part of the ministry team here at Journey. Uh, this was the final week of our This Is Journey series, and Pastor Christian, you wrapped it up with a message called Meeting on Mission. We also call it uh, Vision Sunday this weekend. Um, as you know, our series premise has been to learn the, the heartbeat of our local church so you can engage in the calling and vision God has has given us. Uh, as we jump in every week, we, we really hope to, to be able to activate you. That's why we uh, put the, the time and energy into this resource. We hope to activate you in your faith. Thank you, Pastor Christian, for the extra time you, you spend in getting prepared. Uh, as I mentioned last week, I think people love learning more uh, and, and, and more of the history of our church. You shared another piece of journey history on Sunday, uh, how you met for the first time at the Gamber Center. Did you ever think we uh, would be here uh, where we are today just 10 years later? No. Um, I, I would have actually fought against it, to be honest with you. You know, I, I, I started our church with a, a desire to be a very small, uh, tight knit community of believers that just serve their community and world well, that got healthy spiritually, that pursued Jesus spiritually, that invited, you know, maybe, maybe family members, friends, neighbors into the process of knowing who Jesus is and then, you know, just having a, a small band of a few, a few hundred people that uh, that did that, I would have, uh, at the time, I mean, ten years ago, I would have repelled against the notion of having having a church of thousands of people and and building a uh, building the size that we are to, to be able to hold our church. I would have been like that. I want to do the absolute opposite of that. And I mean, you've heard me tell the story. It was actually on. Um, Kind of in the midst of moving into our building, you know, we we were a church of five or six hundred in the middle school, which was awesome. I mean, it was awesome. Uh, at at the time, had the had the school district we were meeting in not wanted us to leave, we probably never would have left. I never really cared to have our own building and to have property and to to do all the organized church stuff. It was never never really in my heart to do. But once we built a building and we moved into the building, I mean, just just God start God started sending. All kinds of people that needed the ministry of our church. I mean, people who needed to be saved, Christians who were down and depressed and kind of detached from church that needed a new uh, spiritual home. And and the more people that came and the more God did in their life, um, the more that that God allowed us to do in our community and in our world. Like the more our vision began to have a have a larger footprint and a larger impact. Um, but even then, I thought, okay, we just we need to build like one more time and then just close the doors and send everyone away. Once we get there, and I, I was telling a good friend who had who had a family who'd come to our church who's become really good friends since then about that vision that you know hey we need to build one more time our sanctuary is a little small it's kind of tight doing so many services but we're going to build one more time as small as we can and then like when we're full we're full um, and the wife laughed and she looked at her husband and said boy I'm glad we made the cut before they locked everyone out and and she was very just very you know good natured trying to rib me. But for the first time, I thought how people in our community who needed Jesus from Journey might view our church if we said, we're comfortable where we are. We don't want any more people. What about what about the people that needed to make the cut after we got comfortable? And I started kind of wrestling inside with, with will I pastor the church that God wants Journey to be? 
And I, I wrestled with that for more than a year. And on my seven year sabbatical, I was sitting in a church, um, that actually in Overland Park. I was in Life Church in Overland Park. Craig Groeschel was preaching and he kind of asked the question, you know, what's, what's the one thing you're hanging on to that you need to, you need to surrender to God? And I felt like God said, are you going to pastor, uh, the church that I want or the church that you want? Or am I going to have to get you out of the way and bring the pastor to journey that I want? And I kind of surrendered over my seven-year sabbatical. Lord, I'll, I'll pastor whatever church you want me to have. I don't want a big church. I don't want a big building. Um, I don't want. I don't want a big crowd. Like I would prefer not to have to do that. But if that's what you want our church to be, I will pastor. I will pastor every person you send in the door the best way that I know how. I'll do the very. I'll do the very best um, that I can. And from that from that point, our church really began um, to take off. Uh, it's. It's not something we pursue, but I think it's something that we've surrendered to is we will be exactly who God wants us to be. We will love and lead exactly how God wants us to love and lead. Um, and we just kind of, not not our goals, not what we want to do, but what we think our church is capable of. As we look at our long-term 25-year vision, those are not things that we're fighting to get to. We're, we're comfortable wherever we are, but we're saying, man, if if we continue to be a healthy church and do what God's called us to do, we think... In 10 years, our church will look this way. And in 20 years, our church will look this way. And in 25 years, our church will look this way. And when you look not at the size of the church, but the size of the impact, and you say, wow, we could, we could really be a church that gives away $20 million. We could really be a church that sends 500 missionaries to the mission field. We could really be a church that plants 20 more churches. We could really be a church that establishes a home for unwed pregnant teens that want to keep their babies. We could really be a church that has a ministry school and a Bible institute. It's like, we know this, but it's like, Okay, God, you were so far ahead of me. And if I would have looked at the impact instead of uh, the auditorium and the size of the church, if I looked at the size of the footprint that God could have through our church instead of what I was comfortable leading our church at, uh, you, you'd always want to do what God did. So um, did I think we'd be where we were? No. If you'd have told me 10 years ago we'd end up here, I might have quit because I just <laughs> I didn't I didn't want I didn't want to be here, uh, but I'm willing to. Yeah, it's been exciting uh, from those early days and. I came in soon after that. It, it's been awesome to see see what all God's done. Uh, as you began your message, you, you talk about the prayer the followers of Jesus pursued to the purpose that was found in Acts 2 that you kind of unpack. You, you pause on the words corrupt generation that Peter shares. Uh, you allude to the truth that, that things will most likely not get better in the world before it's over. What do, you, what do you think about this thought or comment? We've all kind of heard of it. Uh, everyone thinks their generation is the worst. I think that's a positive thing spiritually. Uh, when you when you look at the doctrine that Romans chapter 3 has been called t- total depravity or complete depravity, that the world is completely, totally lost and broken, that every single person in the world is completely lost and totally broken, it's it's actually good spiritually to look around and think this must be the worst that it can get because it means your eyes see the depravity of the world without Jesus. That, that, that is a good thing. Um, as far as the corrupt generation and your quote, you know, the, the quote Sunday that, you know, do we actually think it's going to get better? I mean, that, that came from the number of comments that I've heard, um, you know, as, as, as President Biden and Vice President Harris were sworn in this weekend. Um, and you know, we, we've got people in our church on all different sides. I've got people in my family on all different sides, people in my community neighbor i got people in my life on all different sides of the political spectrum um and and i'm i'm hearing some of them say well don't worry in 2 years in 4 years in 8 years like 
don't worry, everything's going to get better. I'm listening to my Democrat friends say, wow, finally, after six years of Trump, now everything's going to get better. And I laugh and I say, really? Like, you really, I mean, you really think by, by, by having an election every two, four, six years that this world is going to become more like what Jesus wants it to become? What portion of New Testament scripture ever tells you that things are going to get better, not worse, until Jesus comes back? So for me, it's just a theology and a hermeneutic that our world is broken. It's continuing to spiral into more brokenness. And until Jesus comes back, I don't care if everyone in Washington, D.C. is a Democrat or if everyone is a Republican. Like, there's no man-made government that's going to fix the world of mankind that's been broken by the sin of mankind. We need a heavenly king. We need a heavenly savior. Um, it, it, man, man, I, like I, I hope. I mean, from an from an economic perspective, from from just being civilized, from a perspective, like for from getting along, from government program. I get all that that things can get better. But if we think the answer is anything but Jesus, in two years you're going to be sadly mistaken, and in four years you're going to be sadly mistaken. And for those so excited um, to be rid of one guy. You're going to be sadly mistaken. Like, not a ton is going to change in the broken systems of our world because people are broken. Sin breaks everything. Only Jesus fixes everything. He's the only answer. And if we can learn to look up, we can enjoy when parts of the world get better, um, more palatable. I certainly hope we enter a season that's a little more palatable, um, just the way people talk to and treat each other. Uh, but man, Jesus, Jesus is, is the only answer. Um, and this generation, is corrupt. And and the generation Peter was preaching to in Acts 2 was corrupt. And if this world lasts another hundred years, that generation will be corrupt. And what Peter says, you got to come out of that. Like to follow Jesus, you got to release your hold on, on culture. To follow Jesus, you got to release your hold on generation. To follow Jesus, you got to release your hold on thinking anything will bring salvation, comfort, peace. But Jesus, you got to come out of the things in culture that you're hanging on to. And 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 you got to you got to hang on to Jesus because everything outside of Jesus is is part of a corrupt generation. It's a great perspective, helpful perspective for people to take in these times for sure, and uh, not these times, but even ten, fifteen years down the road. Uh, as you explain the importance of people going to the Jewish temple every day, you kind of unpack that. You you talk about the aspects of New Testament gatherings, and you you share seven of them. Um, teaching about Jesus and the gospel, taking the Lord's Supper, worship of God, soul care to the hurting, fellowship of the saints, meditation on spiritual truths, application of next steps. Why, why is this what a church is and not just a building we walk into as, you know, too many people mistake the church to be? Well, the church is a group of people on mission. So we, we unpack kind of the Greek word that was used of the gathering of Christians. So in, in the Greek, the word is ekklesia. It literally was, it was an assembly of citizens. It was an, it was an assembly of people who belong to a common, um, country, um, coming together to do business. It was, it was when they would take roll call and it, it was made famous kind of, or, or I guess implemented in Greek society. If you were a Greek citizen, they would call the ecclesia and everyone would come to the auditorium to vote on something. Like you, you would do business in the ecclesia. Uh, they looked at the church and they're like, they're an ecclesia. They appear to all be citizens of the same place doing business in the same direction. Like these people are serious. They're, they're on a mission. They have a purpose. 
when the New Testament was translated into German, the word ecclesia in the Greek um, became the word kirke um, in in German. Um, but if if you if you read the word kirk or kirke in German with English phonetic, phonetics k i r c h e, it looks like kirch, and eventually you call it church. And what people would do is they would look at the buildings where the ecclesia. Um, where the Kirk, they would, they would look at the buildings where the people of God were doing the business of God and they say, Oh, that's the church. And it's like, no, no, no. Actually, what they do when they leave, that's the church. Uh, the church is the people of God doing the business of God. That is where they meet. And from Acts chapter two, they always had a place where they, where they met. So there is this temple gathering aspect. Um, but they actually don't become the ecclesia, the Kirk. They don't become the, the church until they leave and go do it. When the group of people, is doing business together. They are the church. When they meet together, they're just having a spiritual gathering for the purpose of these things, learning about Jesus. They would take the Lord's Supper to acknowledge Jesus. They they would worship God. In the temple, the worship uh, was much more sacrificial, Old Testament sacrificial system. Then the early church started having creeds that they would recite together. Those became doxologies that they would say together. And in our generation, those have become songs that we sing together. It's just the things we believe that we lift up together corporately. They care for people who are hurting. They'd spend time encouraging one another. They'd meditate on the things that they were learning, and then, and then they they try to go do what Jesus had called them to. Um, that that is the um, the business of Jesus' mission is the church, not the building that it meets in. Which which people have to keep the perspective. It doesn't matter whether it's a small building or a large building. What happens through the people is the church. Exactly what you've explained, and too often. People get focused on on uh, facilities or buildings or lack thereof, and that's you can have an army of people on mission, and that's that's what's important. That's that's what Jesus has called us to do. Uh, Pastor Christian, in the latter part of your message, you said a phrase, and it really resonated with me. I can tell you, as I kind of looked through the notes, I really was like, yes, 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 especially as a guy who enjoys community. But I will tell you, how you explain is exactly how I found community as an early believer, as a stronger believer, and even as a guy in ministry now. And you say a couple of things I wanted to share because they're really powerful. You said the early Christians pursued discipleship and experienced community. You actually said it a few different ways. Um, and then you said, if you live on mission, you will experience community, but don't wait for community to get on mission. Can you speak to how you have seen people who are on mission at our church experience this very thing you're talking about, experience the greatest community? Well, yeah. So the purpose of a church is not to help you make friends. The purpose of a church is to help you make disciples. Become a disciple, make a disciple. But the result of doing that means you'll make friends. Yeah, so we said the early church did not pursue friendship and community. They pursued discipleship, but they ended up in friendship and community. They didn't. Um, they, they pursued evangelism, and they ended up in community they uh, they pursued serving those who were in need and they ended up in community they they pursued impacting their community and they they ended up in friendships like they knew if we just follow Jesus in his mission we'll we'll rub elbows with enough people that we'll have great spiritual community and there are a lot of people who who choose not to engage in the mission of a church until they've kind of found their people with the church here's the person you need to find at the church his name is Jesus get on mission with Jesus do what he's called you to do. You'll bump into people along the way, and eventually you'll experience your community. But if you wait for your community 
to do the mission of Jesus. What you were telling Jesus is the people of the church are more important than the person of the Savior. So once I have them, I'll do what you want me to do. Uh, you say, how, how do you want to experience community? What's the best way I've seen people experience community? Number one, going on mission trips. You spend 10 days in a foreign country with someone living on mission. Even if you did not know their name before you got on the bus to head to the airport, you're, you're probably going to have a lifelong connection to them. If not on a mission trip, serving in your community, not serving at the church, but serving in your community, go do a work project in some part of the community that's underserved and needs people to help it. Pour your heart and soul into that. Not for a day, but do like a week-long project where you have to show up two or three days in a row with the same people to um, kind of get tired together, to sweat together, to maybe get some blisters on your hands together. And then the third way would be would be serving in ministry, um, but usually ministry events. Go serve at a youth camp with another group of adults. Ser- serve at Vacation Bible School. If you just spend time with people serving, if you spend time with people on mission for Jesus, your common heart for Jesus, the Holy Spirit within you is going to draw you together to them. And if you just get on mission, you will find community. But if you wait for community, you might never join the mission. Um, so get on mission, because when you live on mission, God will bring you community. That's just the way it works. But the first person you got to live in community with is Jesus each and every day. And when you start following him, you'll bump into all his friends, and he's got a bunch of them. Like if you just start following Jesus, you'll never walk alone because he never has just one follower. He always had at least 12 um, hanging, hanging out with him. So just follow Jesus, and his friends will become your friends. Yeah, I just thought it was such a great point. Each time I read that little phrase, you know, the early Christians pursued this and then they experienced community. I just It kept resonating with me because I've seen it in guys that for years helped set up and tear down, a group of guys who barely knew each other, but by the end had become great friends. They started in Bible study together. Some of them started leading groups together, and they found tremendous community and still do years later. Um, and so, yeah, just a great point as I saw that. I'm really glad you, you pushed that in your message Vision Sunday, um, this, this. And I, and I will say this, forgive me for interrupting. Yeah. Um, they didn't bond over their sports teams. They didn't bond over their kids' sports teams. They didn't bond over their upbringing. They bonded over serving Jesus. Yeah. Common mission. I have, I've never, Ryan, I've never heard someone who won't go to a Chiefs or Royals game because they don't know if they'll have any friends there. Because that ain't the purpose of going to a Chiefs or Royals game. You go to worship, right? You go, like you go to cheer on your team. You go to be amazed and you go to, you go to tell them you are worthy. You pay your money. You sing the songs. I mean, it's doing the same things at Arrowhead we're doing at church on Sunday, just with less alcohol, um, at, <laughs> at church, hopefully. Um, but I've never heard anyone say, it's like, Hey, you, I, you want, you want to go to the Chiefs, Chiefs game? I've, I've never heard anyone say, I don't know. There's just so many people there. Not all of them can be fans. That's just a turn off. I don't want to. I don't want to go watch. I don't want to go watch an NFL football team unless there's just like 200 people because not all of them could be fans as dedicated as I am. I've never heard anyone say, "You want to go to the Chiefs game?" There's just so many people there. I'll never find a friend. Like that's not the purpose. That's not the purpose. Although if you have season tickets and you show up early, and the people in front of you and behind you have season tickets and they show up early, by the end of the season you'll have some friends because the common thing that has brought you together and the time you've spent together mold your hearts together. Um, Man, if there were as many people in the city that love Jesus as much as they love the Chiefs, we'd celebrate way more than Super Bowls every February in our city. The city would look different. So forgive me for the interruption, yeah, no. <laughs> um, but but 
like Christians got to do better. Yeah. Great We've exclamation better. point on that point for sure. It is Vision Sunday, and you share what could be. You kind of already alluded to it a little bit. And you even in your message give a, a couple of minor updates. Uh, do you have any additional updates on these areas that you would like to or possibly you can share based on some of the things that we've got coming up? Well, so we introduced Christian Gracia um, to our church, Christian and his wife, Hannah, uh, who are not just at Journey as church planning residents, but he's going to hope, hopefully over the next three years help us develop our church planning residency. We've got a vision to plant churches, um, but not really a system to do that. And we've been praying, God, send us church planters. And God's like, why? What would you do with them? Like, that's a great question. Um, so Christian is going to be at Midwestern uh, Bible College and Seminary the next at least three years. And we've asked him to be our guinea pig and basically say, help us build a residency program so that when you leave, we are able to bring in three to five guys at a time over three years and then send them out together so that over the next 20 years, we can every every year, probably after seven years from now, we can plant three or four churches a year um, all over the country. So that's a, a super huge update. Uh, we got a goal to send 500 missionaries from our church. A lot of them are going to be kids that were in our church as teenagers who are now going to the mission field. We got to introduce our church to Ashley and Emily, who will be heading to Panama in 2022. Um, Emily, who's already spent six years there, and Ashley, our first missionary, not just to go serve, but to help develop a training center where we can send people to train to live on the mission field full time. Um, so it's funny, a few years ago, we had a goal to send 500, and now we've got one. Uh, but Ryan, eventually it's going to roll. One's going to be three, three's going to be 10. And all of a sudden we'll, we'll send a dozen or more a year. And, and, and we're slowly, um, going to get there. When we look at the money we want to invest into global missions. I remember when, when we hit a hundred thousand dollars invested into our community and global missions and church playing. Then I remember when it was a half million. Then I remember when it was a million. And now we've surpassed two millions. And now that's coming in much larger chunks every year or two. It'll be another million. Um, I, I just couldn't be more excited about everything we're doing. Our, our Journey Ministry School and the current class of interns that we have right now who are building the foundation for what that program will look like, uh, not only what it will what it will do for a group of students who between the age, ages of 18 and 20, when everyone's walking away from the faith or walking towards the faith, but when when those students go at 21, 22, and 23 and head into the workforce, they're going to be the ones who are going to be able to pull their friends back now because when 85% of kids who graduate from high school walk away from the faith, they walk closer to the faith. They're, they're going to need their friends to pull them back. I mean, every one of these areas are just things that we're so excited about um, and we can't wait to do more in. Uh, and I don't know if we'll accomplish them in my lifetime, but but we we know what mountain peak we're climbing, and every year we just try to climb just try to climb a little higher. One thing that was pretty exciting that I got to work with Ashley and Emily on, is, as far as our current missionaries on the field, people that we've support, we didn't necessarily launch them out, but we help support them. Is uh, we've we've connected them with some of our small groups, and hmm. now our small groups are loving, praying, caring encouraging those on the field and and Ashley and Emily were instrumental in helping us get connected with several of our people and so yeah just and and who knows what seeds will come out of those uh, in years to come some of their kids may one day be on the mission field uh, after their small group uh, supported someone for so long last question a new tool that you've introduced I wanted to kind of revisit um, with our uh, just a way to help people connect with God during the week our daily reflections 
Um, you're including it in the sermon notes as just another tool, right? As a church that wants to equip people, wants to help people really grow in their faith. I thought we could take a look at another one this week. Monday's key verse was Acts 2.42. You mentioned in the, in the, uh, sermon, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread into prayer. So kind of the key reflection that you had there was the gathering of Jesus' followers accomplished four things. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Uh, which of these was most impactful in your 2020 spiritual journey or any comments you have on that? It's funny when you read, like when you read the question, like that's a great question. And then I think I wrote that. It's like, yeah, you, thank you. Um, that, that is, that is a good question. Um, man, that's a, that's a hard one. I mean, my, so my, my first thought, like when, when I first, when I, when I saw this on the notes and I read it, um, my first response was fellowship. Um, and I explained this a little bit last night. We had our last night of 10 days of wait and pray and I brought some of our elders up on the stage. Ryan, I don't know that I'd have made it through 2020 in the posture God allowed me to make it through without our elder team and without our staff team. I mean, it was the people. It was the people around me. And and I mean, and you know how much I love God's word. I mean, I love the apostles' teaching. You know how much I depend on prayer. Um, and I, you know, I, I love a, a a good meal of Mexican food as much as as much as anyone. Yeah, depending on break food, chips right? more than breaking bread um, in in my world. But it was fellowship. Um, it was a it was a lonely, isolating year, in so many ways. And man, my my faith at certain times got so weak, and my spirit at certain times got so dark. And there were so many days I didn't have answers. And every time I met with our elders, every time I met with our directors team, every time I met with our staff, I thought we're going to be okay. Uh, it it was the fellowship of believers. It was remembering that you're not alone, which um, which Satan will always convince you that you are. It it was that fellowship. But, Ryan, all of that fellowship came through mission. I mean, left to myself in COVID year 2020, I hold up like everyone else and, you know, and, and just wait on everything to yeah, be done. Yeah, write it out. But my, my calling and the mission of Jesus in my life did not allow me to do that. Every Sunday days, every seven days, I had to to show up and I had to serve Jesus by teaching and preaching. And, you know, the first Wednesday of every month, I had to show up and I had to lead our team because it's what God has called me to. And doing, just doing faithfully what God had called me to, trying to fulfill the mission that God has called me to, was way more for me than for anyone else this year. I really think, I mean, as I just glanced at that question, um, it was it was the fellowship of believers in my life, not being alone, not walking alone, living on mission, and realizing it, you, when you again when you follow Jesus, you never walk alone because he's got a he's got a global following. He's a pretty popular guy, um, and when you follow him and live on his mission, you'll run into people all over the world doing the same thing. And I think hundreds of people at our church would say the same thing: them getting on mission. And I can remember you even getting up midway through the summer and saying, "We are pressing on." I think yeah, I've that, got my I've got my wristband on right now that says "Press on." I think yeah, that was a shot in the arm for so many people who were struggling. And if you're listening, and maybe you haven't been on mission, maybe you have been struggling, uh, and, and are trying to figure out how the next several months are going to be any different, get on mission. Come and come and be a part of what we're doing in 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 whatever way you feel comfortable doing, because it's going to bring community. It's going to bring hope. 
it's going to bring real purpose. And so, man, thank you for sharing that, Pastor Christian, because I agree. The mission has kept us strong together. It's kept us in community. And, and I think we all would say it was a hard year, but but we're better and stronger. The rest of them are close, though. Yeah. Apostles teaching and prayer for me. Yes. Uh, pretty yeah, super pretty important. instrumental, but I think in 2020 it was fellowship. Yeah. Breaking a bread comes last for for me, but I mean it's a it's okay. I did gain a lot of weight. Does that mean I lean too much on breaking a bread? It's possible that that it's possible <laughs> yeah. that that's what you relied on in 2020. It's possible while I was yeah. fellowshipping, and you know, I'm, uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm working on that. I've been working on it. Uh, Pastor Christian, thanks uh, really for uh, your information, your heart, uh, your transparency on the podcast. Thank you for listening. Uh, to the Activate Podcast. We're really glad that you've tuned in. We'd love to have you on Sunday mornings uh, at either 8, 9.30, or 11 in person. Uh, you can certainly catch us online. We will be adding a fourth service in uh, just a couple of weeks on February 7th, 10 a.m. over at Summit Christian Academy if you'd love to come and be over there. It's going to be probably much more spread out and probably our most socially distanced. If you want to come over and be with us, we'd love to have you. We'd love to hear how we can encourage you. If you want to email us at activate at takethejourney.cc. Otherwise, we look forward to catching you next time on the Activate Podcast where we challenge you to build a faith that is active. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Activate. We would love for you to join us in person for one of our weekly worship experiences. You can find out more information about JCI on our website at takethejourney.cc. Help us get the word out about this resource. You can do so by subscribing, reviewing, and sharing this episode on your favorite social media platform. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the Activate Podcast.